Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 26, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 1, and we are at page 14, Paragraph 2. Today's readers are Michelle H., Penny C., and Deb W. The reference number for Tuesday, November 25th, is 7061. That's 7061. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Thank you. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do this service, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy. I'll now ask AJN to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is AJN, a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. AJ, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the sections for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 14, paragraph 2. I will ask Michelle H. to begin reading and to please read three paragraphs. Thank you. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory, followed by such a peace and serenity as I had never known. There were there was utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. For a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Finally, he shook his head, saying, Something has happened to you I don't understand, but you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have such experiences. He knows that they are real. And so Bill has um, described to the doctor, um, Dr. Silkworth, the experience that he has just had, which was sudden and profound. And he's referring to the spiritual experience. 
spiritual awakening that he's had as um, as a result of uh, taking the steps that you know the previous paragraphs have have um, pointed out to us. And and he's and he's not sure if this was real. He's not sure if this was reality or if he was sane. And so he he calls Doctor Silk with him and, and shares his experience with him. And you know, the doctor was wise enough to say, you know, something's happened, but I don't know. I don't understand. And um, such humility there and such wisdom and um, has continued to see that these experiences are real because he's seen them as evidenced in, in changes in people's lives. Um, is the way I understand this paragraph. And <clears throat> I can relate to this as um, seeing, seeing something that I didn't understand. Um, I always wanted to have knowledge of what, what, you know, what was happening, what I was doing um, before I would undertake something. Um, I, I needed to know and understand it. But these 12 steps are something, is a process that, that I can't understand or I can't explain, but I see the results. I've had the results and I've seen the results in other people, um, the results of a life that, that has been changed. And, you know, it brought me back to the appendix, in the back appendix two, that talks about spiritual experiences, which is that personality change uh, to, that is sufficient to bring about recovery. And at the bottom, it talks about that, you know, a reaction, a profound alteration in a reaction to living. And, you know, that was, it's a change that could hardly be brought about by himself alone. So he's had this spiritual experience. He's tapped into this inner resource and we know it's a power greater than ourselves. We know that today because of the process of the steps and what the book is teaching me and this profound alteration because I did have a problem with living. I thought I had a problem with eating, but I had a problem with living and my reaction to life. I couldn't accept life on life's terms. I wanted life to be the way I wanted it to be. And I, I tried to exert my power, my force, my self-discipline, my understanding, my knowledge against this. And, and today I've ceased fighting and have tapped into this inner resource, which is a power greater than myself, which is what was needed. Um, I was told that my problem is lack of power, and I needed the power. And these steps, working these steps, is the process that makes this power available to me, uh, the power to be empowered to change, you know, have this personality change, this change in living, which is much better just like the doctor said, you better hang on to it because anything is better than the way you were. And, and that was my truth because my way of living was selfish, self-centered, stepping on other people's toes, creating misery, and this new way of living uh, because of this power, holding on to this power greater than me, brings me a life of being you know, God-centered and thinking of others instead of just myself, thinking of how can I be of service to others, which is a brand new way of living that because of this power um, has changed me from selfish and self-centered to other-centered, God-centered, and embracing this new way of living, but hardly could have done it alone without this power. Just had all pass. Thank you, Michelle. Who would like to share on this these paragraphs focusing the second two paragraphs. This is Janice. Okay, Janice. Vasa. Go ahead. Vasa. I'm sorry. Did you call me, Katie? Janice and then Janice. Vasa. Okay. Thank you, and thank you so much, Katie, for your service. And good morning, everyone. My name is Janice, 
and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Just briefly on that second paragraph, my good when I when I read it, it just reminded me for a moment I was alarmed. And you know, on page five, um we can recall when somebody pushed Bill a drink when he was in disease. He asked, Was I crazy? And you know, here it is, he's alarmed again. But you see he's recovered. And this is the difference. When we're recovered, it works exactly opposite of disease. Now he's asking, am I sane? Because he has been restored to sanity, and he's no longer crazy. <laughs> um, and I thought that was just uh, something. Um, you know, he was he was fearful, just like, you know, that we still have fears. But what he did is he took some action. And he called his friend, the doctor. Why did he call the doctor? Because he wanted to test out his own thinking. And that's what I have to do when I'm afraid of something. I call somebody and ask them, you know, am, am, I, am I thinking properly before I explode? Uh, what, what do you think I should do? And um, then he got his help. And, of course, we know, um, you know, that Dr. Silkworth witnessed witnessed this recovery and so now he knows k-n-o-w-s he knows from experience from seeing with his own eyes recovery what it looks like and with that i pass thanks thank you and bossa your turn thank you thank you katie is it katie yes thank you so much for your service and um i am Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. I can relate to Bill's story so much. Um, God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. And that's, that's the experience I had after my sponsor had 12 stepped me for about a week. We spoke every single day before she took me to my first meeting. And uh, I was ready and willing to take step one, two, and three. I remember saying, I, you know, not to her, even in my head, I remember saying, I will do, I will do whatever it takes for me just to stop eating the way I'm eating, you know. And um, again, she said to me when she took me to the meeting, we sat in my driveway for about, you know, for a little while and talked and talked. And she said, you know, you need to surrender to God and you need to put the food in God's hands in your life and your will, and God is going to help you. And I just felt, I, I was sold. I was ready and I was willing. Anything, 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 you know. And then you're going to the, running through my kitchen, going to the bathroom and closing the bathroom door. I don't want my husband to think I've gone crazy for food, you know. And that's what I did. I surrendered wholeheartedly, you know, with all my heart. I said, God, I made that decision at that time. I, I surrendered to you with the food, and uh, I put it in your hands. I cannot do this by myself. And I experienced this electricity going through my body. And, um, and it was just amazing. I didn't know what had happened to me. I grew up more, like, more agnostic and atheist. I grew up in a communist country. And this what happened, you know, and I was shocked, you know. I didn't know whether this guy was going to strike me down or raise me. And I, 
this burden just lifted on my shoulder, and I felt this joy and peace. And it was just profound. And then, again, I was going to get up, you know, I was going to in the kitchen and eat, and the small voice came back. Vasa, you just put the food in my hands. Now you're going to go back and eat? I turned around very quickly, and I went back in the bedroom. I could not sleep the whole night. I wanted to shake my husband and tell him what had happened. I just I just knew I, I was not going to do that, but I could not wait to tell my sponsor the next morning. And it says here, for a moment I was alarmed and, clear, and called my friend, which I call my sponsor, to ask if I was still saying. She listened in wonder as I talked. Finally, she said to me, um, something has happened to you, and I don't understand, but you had. But this is what made the most you know, impression me, but you had better handle it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men. Okay. I'm just so grateful, but I wanted to hide. I didn't want to tell people about the spiritual experience I had, you know, going to meetings and talking to other meetings. I just was too embarrassed. I was just, I don't want to think people just wrap it up. I don't want people to think I, I was going crazy. But little by little, gradually, when I hear people had a spiritual experience, and I started talking about it. And there's, at the end of this um, book, there's, there's a chapter on the spiritual experiences. Thank you. I'm sorry for taking so long, but I'm so excited. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Who would like to share on this, these paragraphs? Mary, Mary A. Monica. This is Amy. Okay. Who? Lisa? Yes. Okay. And Amy? I got you, Amy. Okay. I have Mary. Mary, Monica, Amy, and Lisa. Okay. Uh, Mary. Good morning, everybody. Mary, compulsive overeater. In the state of recovering... I won't say recovered just yet. But, you know, as I listened, oh, especially to that last share in Bill's, wasn't it wonderful? And I didn't have a lightning experience. You know, I've known God all my life, and I have had so many, so many spiritual experiences, but never in the food, temporarily, but never did God's will, never realized it till I came to the 12-step program. But I'd like to share my story with that. So I was standing in the kitchen. It was eight years ago, and I was 250 pounds. I was so just starting my 12-step program at that time, and I didn't have a clue, and I was standing in the kitchen, and I had a vision. Now, my visions are interior, but I know that God confirms them all. So anyway, and I saw in my mind the dark, dark sky, and I saw the the um, sun coming up in the morning, and you know how you would see the rays. And it's funny, when we read in our literature, Bill even said how dark it is before the, the first one or something. And anyway, I clearly heard God say to me that just as you cannot force the sun to rise in the morning, Mayor, you cannot force a spiritual awakening. But I promise you, if you just keep coming back to these meetings and listening to me, you will have your spiritual experience. And so I did that. 
and I just listened and listened. But it wasn't until I got my 90 days and I was asked to speak. I'm saying to God, what? What should I speak on? I opened the big book, and if you've never read it, way in the back, it's a one-pager called Spiritual Experience. And there, I believe it was Dr. Silkwood, whoever is saying it, is explaining that for many, no, it's probably another doctor, that for many um, of us, we don't have this lightning experience, but we truly have one of an educational kind. Well, bells went off. I said, that's what I had, because truly I was recovering in my never even thought I was a compulsive eater, didn't even know I had this disease. And then I just became so educated and truly, truly had my experience. And I've come now to a vision few, and I'm learning so much more. And I'm learning the big reason, the reason why I have picked up and and had gone out on the food was I was not working the steps. And, you know, resentment is my number one offender. I think sometimes, just in the last couple of days, I've been living in it morning, noon, and night, asking God, identifying, praying about it. But I know that if I cannot live that way anymore. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary. And Monica, your turn. Thank you, Katie. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Bill's story, and he's looking back, and he's telling us here his story and his experience. And he, he talks in the first paragraph about these were revolutionary and drastic proposals the moment I fully expect, uh, accepted them. So when he you know, made that decision with his third step, he offered himself to God. He had this wonderful, bright light, wind-blowing experience in the hospital room. This is like the second or third day that he was in the hospital, detoxing. And so he says, for a moment, I was alarmed. Yeah, I'd be a little bit alarmed, too. You know, he went in the hospital on the verge of delirium tremens. And what are delirium tremens? These people have hallucinations. They see things. They hear things. So he's wondering, you know, this is day two, three in the hospital, detoxing. What has happened? Is he still sane? Did he, is he having delirium tremens? So he calls Dr. Silkworth in, and he says to him, you know, what, what's going on here? Am I crazy? And the doctor listens and wonders. And then he says to him, you know, you know, I don't really understand what's happened here, but anything's better than what you were doing. And, and now the good doctor sees many men who have had such experiences. Wow. And he knows they are real. And so the 100 recovered alcoholics who wrote this book, who had spiritual experiences, whether they were sudden spiritual experience or the... Uh, a spiritual awakening, which is a process that takes time, it's over time, they all agree, yes, there is something that happens to us. There is a change. There will be a change in your thinking, in your attitude, in your behavior. Now, for myself personally, mine has been the spiritual awakening part. It's taking part over time. And, and, and whenever there was a doubt in my mind, I would just have to pause and, and think and look back. Now, Monica, you know, remember in the beginning when you couldn't even keep uh, the food down for an hour and you made it through a whole day? Now, was that you that did that? No. There was a power greater than you working with you there. 
And already I started getting relief in the beginning with just putting the food down. But then when I started doing the steps, then I really started getting little light bulb moments along the way, you know? Because I didn't know what I didn't know and I couldn't see what I couldn't see. But working the steps brought new vision, new glasses, new lenses to me so that I could see. So I could have this awakening that I could see differently. And with that, I guess I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Monica. Amy G., your turn. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Thank you, Katie, for your service, and thank you so much for everyone who has shared. Um, my experience was also the same as Monica was sharing. Um, was my beginning was just a, my my beginning of experience was just a willingness and a tremendous fear of going back and dying of compulsive overeating. So my experience was just doing the work and then looking back and going wow and then realizing that God was with me all along. But that experience was a gradual one. Mine was an awakening, and I remember you know an awakening via work basically of working the steps and you know i remember one of the one of my first meetings i was probably the second or third meeting there was a woman who walked down the stairs going to binge one night and she would the lights flashed on and off and she also had this spiritual experience and was what i considered struck abstinence and i wanted that more than anything else and i prayed for god to give that to me um, but the reality was is I wasn't willing to do any work at that point. I just wanted to be struck abstinent and not have to do any of the work. And if we remember when we read in the prior paragraph that a price needs to be paid, you know, the death of self-centeredness and work that needs to be done where we have to pick up this kit of spiritual tools, the steps, and work them. And, you know, the destruction of self-centeredness, that is what I had to work towards. And as I did that, my awakening, my gradual awakening became true for me. And I wouldn't change that for the world. There are those that have these, you know, fantastic starting impacts, but mine was of the gradual variety, as are many of us. And they're just as powerful and they're just as effective. There are no less uh, anything upon which we can build the foundation of a wonderful recovery as long as we are, you know, we're willing to work it and pick up these steps. And I just want to say in this week of, of Thanksgiving, I'm so grateful to Dr. Silkworth, a doctor, a reputable doctor who has come to the end of himself and his ability to treat alcoholics. When Bill comes to him and says, am I sane? This is what I'm thinking. And he's saying anything, anything is better than what you were doing the way you were. Anything is better. Keep doing what you're doing. And and if we go back to the um, doctor's opinion, he says about four, this is Dr. Silkworth talking, he says, you know, about four years ago, one of the leading contributors to this book came under our care in this hospital. While here, he acquired some ideas and he put practical, practical application at once. Later, he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell a story to other patients. Here, with some misgivings, we consented. These are doctors who are saying, okay, look, this layman's got something going here. Let's let him do it. The cases were followed through have been most interesting. In fact, many of them amazing. The unselfishness of these men, as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive, and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this alcoholic field. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. I'm grateful to this man who said, Bill, go for it. And Bill did. He, made, he had a spiritual awakening, but then he used 
practical means to which to carry it out, which is to work the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy and Lisa. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Lisa from New Jersey, recovered and very, very grateful. Um, boy, it's hard going behind her. <laughs> That was such a great share. And I appreciate everyone's share this morning. But I just wanted to comment on um, these were revolutionary and drastic proposals. But the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. And as someone else shared earlier, um, you know, I've I always had God in my life, and I feel that I have had spiritual experiences and momentary uh wonderful connections with God, but I could never sustain that because I was not willing to really do the drastic proposals that were being presented to me. And um, I had a brief time of recovery, but I just didn't want to live in 10, 11, and 12. It was just too much. It was too drastic. I didn't feel like calling you know, somebody every time I needed to do a 10th step and I didn't feel like working with new guys. You know, it was just I wanted to rest on my laurels. And I had a couple of protégés that I worked with. And but I can't not keep anything by doing that. It doesn't matter if my spiritual awakening was slow and over years or dramatic. What this reminds me of is that to keep our recovery, because we're not cured, we have a daily reprieve, but to keep it, have to live the program of recovery as outlined in this book, exactly, all the steps. And I am just so grateful that God finally opened my eyes and my heart and my mind to that, and then I can say today that I am recovered and very, very grateful. Thank you for allowing me to share. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. Penny C, will you please read that? Yes, good morning. This is Penny C, recovered compulsive overreader in Massachusetts. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. This, this paragraph and this thought that Bill had, that perhaps he could help some, of, some other people who, who had... Um, felt hopeless as he had felt is is so so um profound when you think about the where where these twelve step programs are today and how we got to this point where so many people have been able to recover not only not only from alcoholism but as in our cases the the any any addiction the addiction for me, of course, compulsive overeating, and um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm just um, so grateful that he did this. And I've had that experience that working with others has given me. Dr. Bob talks about it in, in, in Dr. Bob's Nightmare, which follows the 164 pages that we read on this line. And he tells the reasons why he does service. But I just want to um, read a little bit from what Bill tells us when he talks about working with others, a whole chapter devoted to this. And it, it's the exact directions of what to do when you begin to guide somebody else through these steps and, and what happens um, to you. First, he says, though, that we can secure the confidence of other compulsive overeaters even when no one else can. What, what, what a profound thing that is, that because I've had this experience, because I am a compulsive overeater who's recovered, I have something that, that psychiatrists, doctors, clergy people who are not compulsive overeaters do not have in order to help someone else. And what's come true for me is this, that Bill writes in Working With Others, life will take on a new meaning. It has. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you won't want to miss it. I know you won't want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. And I've been privileged to watch this happen over the years that I, even just at my regular meetings, when the service I give might just be, be being there and sharing a little bit about my experience with, re, with recovery. I've seen this. I've seen life change for so many people, and it truly, truly is a joy. So I'm just, um, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Those people who might be on the line who are at the beginning of their recovery, it's worth, it's worth the work to get to the point where you'll be able to lead other people and, and, and realize that the, the gift that you have, as I have, is that experience, no matter how dark, that can help somebody else begin to live a new life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Patty. Kim. Ray. Okay, I have Larry, Patty, Kim, Leah, and one other person jumped in there. Oh, it's Anita J. If you have time. Yes, we will. Thank you, Anita J. Okay, so the order is Larry K. Patty. Kim, G, Leah, M, and Anita J. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So, um, you know, so he, there he is. He's, he's laying in the hospital, and the thought occurred to him, you know, that there's there's a, a lot of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to to, to have what you know what uh, what's been so freely given to him, and you know, and that's that's the basis of step twelve. So, you know, and, and what I need to be, needed to be reminded, you know, when I read this uh, for the first time was just what is step 12, having had 
he had a spiritual awakening. And he had it as the result of taking these steps. So it occurred to him, again, the basis, uh, basis of, of, of the development of step 12, that you know, we tried to carry this message to, to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And, um, you know, here, um, you know, working with others, um, I think I, I tried to carry a message before I had, you know, truly a message to carry, you know. And, and, and the only message that I had to carry before, quite frankly, was one of disease, you know. Um, I, I certainly tried. I was altruistic to a certain extent, but I, I, I did not have, having had a spiritual awakening. So it occurs to him, and, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, that God did for him what he could not do for himself, and that and that's what happened with me too. And so now step 12 for me means something entirely different than it, than it meant before. Before it was just a, a concept of something that I had heard, you know, that occurred in others. And today I can tell you it's something that's happened to me, just like it just just like it happened to Bill when he was lying there in that bed, and when it happened to me, it was um, it was very easy to to, to then uh, work with others and carry this message. It was it was easy because now I was I was I recognized that there were people there were you know thousands and thousands of people that had this same issue as I did. And I, and I didn't need to go necessarily to go searching for them. They were all around me. And when they saw what happened to me, they, they often, uh, you know, they often gave me the opportunity. They, they wanted to know. I didn't have to, uh, to sell anybody. So it's, a, it's, it's quite extraordinary uh, what, 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 what happens once you having had a spiritual awakening. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, uh, Patty, you're next. Yes, hi, this is Patty, recovered compulsive reader for today from California. Thank you for your service. Um, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came to me that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been safely given to me. This is a man who, in the beginning of this of this story, was sitting in a bar, and his friends were jumping from the high towers of finance. And his friends were losing all their money, and he said, so what? You know, now he's thinking about thousands of alcoholics who are suffering. What a turnaround. What a total turnaround. And for me, that's, it's been a similar turnaround in that I was just sitting in my house, locked up, eating and eating and eating. All I cared about was myself. I didn't want to answer the phone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. All I wanted to do was eat. And now, all I want to do is work with others. I don't know how many sponsors I have, but all I know is that when I work with them, I don't want to eat. I feel wonderful, and the promises of Step 12 will come true for me. Life will take on a new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch learning and flourish, to see a fellowship grow up about us, to have a host of friends. This is an experience we must not miss. And for me... You know, I do see a fellowship group around me, all my responses that are, you know, becoming recovered and helping others. And twos and threes and fours of us are springing up. It's just an incredible, incredible experience. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Thank you so much for letting me talk in the past. Thank you, Patty. Um, Kim, you're next. 
Thank you, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. While I was in the hospital, I thought Kim, to Kim that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what has been so freely given to me. Talk about a transformation of thought. Actually, let's think about some of the stuff that Bill has talked about when he was in his disease. You know, they lose their home, they're moving in with their in-laws, his wife's having to go work in his apartment store, and he talks about when he gets some money together, he pays his bills at the liquor store, not helping out with the family. He talks about stealing money from his wife's slender purse when he shakes her so that he has to get his liquor. He talks about contempt for those that are jumping from the buildings at the stock market crash because he thinks they're weak. He talks about when Abby comes to see him, he's finally sober, and he's pushing a drink his way because he wants him to drink with him so he feels comfortable. And now he's saying, after nine days in the hospital, that, that he wants to go work with others because he wants to give away what he's so freely given. I mean, that's a transformation of thought and action. But I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, what is that like for me? You know, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So what was Thanksgiving to me in my disease? Well, first of all, it was pure anger because I was making that sweet promise that today I'm not going to binge, knowing that I'm going to. You know, wearing sweats because of sweat that can expand, which will allow me to eat even more. Watching the food on the table and getting angry as other people were taking the food that I wanted right if they went out. Always volunteering to clean up to look like a nice person, but really what I want to do is get alone with it with the leftovers so I can eat the way I want to eat. I remember as a child hiding in the bathroom eating stuff because I didn't want my cousins to see what I was eating, but I needed that food. Oh, that hangover Friday. That hangover Friday after Thanksgiving was just awful. So now I have this transformation. I walk through the steps. What is Thanksgiving like today? Well, first of all, the food is neutral. The food is not different than any other day. I mean, literally, I call Thanksgiving Turkey Day. So that shows you where my focus was. I, I come to Thanksgiving in gratitude. Gratitude that I, you know, I am 37 years old. Both my parents are alive. They're healthy. And they're actually in love with each other. You know, that I'm, I, I, I host Thanksgiving. That I, I'm excited to have my house clean and inviting so that my family can enjoy it. And I'm praying for others because I know this holiday season is so difficult for people who don't have the experience I have. I know that it's so difficult for people, especially I'm hearing people who've lost loved ones, and this is their first holiday season without those loved ones. That is a transformation of thought and action. And this is what Bill's talking about. He walks through these steps, and his thoughts and his actions have changed. Isn't that a miracle? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And uh, Leah, you're next. Thanks so much, KDF. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. I mean, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, his he's been transformed. Uh, he has uh, had a rearrangement of thoughts and attitudes uh, due to those, you know, due to that step process and the spiritual experience where this, there's been this natural progression in Bill where he's been transformed from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And uh, now, you know, he, he has this deep desire 
to to help. It begins to emerge. It's it's forcing its way out, you know, from inside to outside. Uh, you know, he's coming up with this idea of, of multi-level marketing, which of course, you know, ends up being his destiny. Um, you know, it, he is compassionate for other people. The suffering that other people are going through, he wants to help. You know, he wants to be a source of uh, service and, and solace to other people. And, of course, Bill spent the rest of his life trying to help other alcoholics and trying to eventually help the Fellowship of AA so that we could have it today. And you know what? During all that period of time, Bill managed to stay sober. I mean, we know that Bill... Uh, died in 71, and he died sober. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn here. You know, perhaps I had other dreams for myself than to be on the line at 7 a.m. in the morning and and the many other things I do. But, you know, in our process through these steps, what what are we – What's the goal here? What's the objective? What is the aim? I mean, when we when we say steps three and step seven prayers, those prayers are all about becoming fit to help other people. Who are we serving today? We're serving a new employer. And my reality and our reality is that we are disabled people. Other normal folks don't have to do what we have to do. They they don't have an addiction. They can spend their spare time doing things that they want to do just for pure enjoyment. Uh, we can't afford to do that. You know, if I don't help other people, I will eventually pick up and I will die. Now, is it a pleasure? Absolutely. Is there great joy in watching someone else come to life? You bet. You bet. Uh, it has been the most satisfying and exhilarating uh, experience, and I have had many wonderful experiences in my life, but, but watching other people come to life and be transformed is the top of my list. Uh, you know, so, again, you know, we have been saved. We have recovered and have been given the power to help other people. That's what our text says, and it's been working. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anita J., your turn. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. This is Anita J. from Massachusetts, gratefully recovered, and thank you all for the service. Um, I, I come to these steps, having read them since 1978. That was the only book we had. And... Um, I got things out of it, but did I get this? Did I get a total transformation? Did I know that um, I wasn't the most important person in the room? Did I realize anything like that? I didn't know that I thought like that. I didn't know. Did I know that I was I was very annoyed every time somebody wanted extra from me? I love to give on my terms. There has been a transformation, and I want to speak to, we talk about, please, newcomers, keep coming back, but I want to talk to the one who's been trying, and I believe you have been, because I believed I had been. I've been trying to uh, become recovered, or else I, I didn't, that's not what I was trying. I didn't know you could be, even though it says 29 times, I think, in the beginning, Nobody ever says that. 
And now I find that if you follow these instructions, because it is a textbook. I know I used to think of one person I'd hear at meetings, and I'd think, why she teaches this? I didn't get it. It's a text. I should have no doubts in my mind how to live each day if I pause and let God in. And I just um, have seen now that I've been hearing people tell me I'm different. My husband said, you've reconfigured yourself. He's excited. I have to set him straight. Left to me, we'd be divorced years ago, and I'd be, you know, after a Social Security big time. That would have been me. This is a new Anita, and um, I am... So grateful and that it wasn't just a course with an A. I have to keep coming back. I know that. And I wake up now. I never mind recorded meetings anymore other than Sundays. I just have to be live. I have to hear it live. And um grateful to be able to pass it on. I'm watching two people come alive that I'm working with. It's so exciting with that I pass. Thank you, Anita. We have time for a couple more. Someone would like to jump in? Hi, it's Leanne. Okay, Leanne, go ahead. Hi, Leanne. I'm recovered in Florida from anorexia and compulsive overeating. <clears throat> and I'm so glad I'm here today because I always, I always get what I need to, what I need. And thinking about Bill's transformation um, and the things that were just said on the line comfort me because in my quiet time yesterday um, I started thinking about um, how much I want to serve the world. I want to do so much, but, you know, my focus is here with other people who have been through hell like I've been through hell and thinking about hobbies and stuff like that. Well, why don't I get to do that? And what if God wants me? And then it just this meeting just brought my focus right back down to where I belong and I know when I put God first, all the other things will come, if they're supposed to come. And one of the things I um, was told to do in the beginning of, of this um, process was to Google um, Bill, uh, Silkworth, Dr. Silkworth. And um, what we read today was like such a risk that he took. He had his whole reputation and career on the line um, when he um, confirmed or validated Bill's situation like Bill's state of mind like when Bill called him up he validated it rather than thinking he needed to go to a psych ward and that was really amazing that he did that and he you know validated Bill you know Bill having this spiritual experience and instead of saying oh my gosh you're even more loony than I thought he validated whatever happened to you like go with it just go with it and um I think that was just revolutionary for Bill, too, because if the doctor would have said something different, maybe Bill would have, you know, dismissed what happened or thought he was crazy. So I just think that it's just amazing to, um, you know, to Dr. Silkworth and how much he loved these alcoholics and how much he put into it. Um, I know I'm all over the place, but um, I just have so much to say about this today. I'm, I'm grateful that I know this is where I belong and that I don't have to try hard to fit other things in my life that I think I should be doing. The most important focus is to stay close to my people and remember about rigorous honesty and remember about the disciplines and remember about the hell that God brought me out of so that I can 
keep trudging the road one day at a time. Um, if I if I stray, if I'm on the fringes, it's not a good thing. It's better for me to be in the middle of the pack and to always be, you know, in service, doing service. And it is so great. Um, each person that I, I read the book through with, it's so different, and it's just a real treat. And it's teaching me to um, expand my my love and acceptance for all different kinds of people. You know, it's always a challenge, but there's all different kinds of people that God will bring my way that help me love them eventually. You know, people eventually will grow on me, and that's a real transformation too. So I'm grateful to be here, and I pass. Thanks. Judy up. Thank you, Leanne. Okay, Judy up. Go ahead. Thank you, Kate, for your service. Good morning, visionaries. Judy F., recovery compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And the sentence, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what I had been so freely given, what I've been so freely given me. That just speaks so much to me. First, the thought that came to him, so different than all the other thoughts. And the word thought is, throughout um, the book, especially um, I could relate to it with my disease thoughts, my thought of myself, my thought, my my obsessive, uh, twisted thinking thought that this time it will be different, that um, I've been, I haven't had any more binge food so I can have just a little. All those thoughts are thoughts of myself and all the lies that I told myself that um, it's, it's, this just went well, then I'd be happy. If everyone would do what I think they should do, then I would be happy. Then I'd be at peace. The thought that getting what I want will give me happiness. And it's, it's that too with Bill, all of his selfish, um, all around with disease. And now he has new thoughts. And that's really the transformation of my mind that happened by working the steps, by ha- happened by having the grace of God transforming my mind to new attitudes. And I always still get so, oh, so grateful when, when a God thought comes to my head and not my selfish thought, and I'm just so grateful. And then um, this was so freely given to me, people who came before me that, that um, brought me through the steps and that continue to, that listen to my 10 steps, that listen to my crazy thoughts so I can run it by to then ask for God thoughts. What, because this is about character building. It's not about Judy getting what she needs. It's not even about Judy being absent. I mean, yes, I need to be absent. But Judy living in right relationship with God, with myself, and then with others, and to bring this to others. And I most, I have most joy when I take people through the steps, and I'm just so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And I'd just like to share for just a moment this, um, uh they in turn might work with my, work with others. And, you know, I just think it's so amazing that we're, we're reading this the day before Thanksgiving, the day before, you know, the biggest green light to eat whatever you want in this country. It's not like that all over the world, but in this country, everybody overeats on Thanksgiving. And today, you know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. And 
you know, if you're new to this and you think it's going to be a very long day tomorrow, well, there's a phone list of, you know, hundreds of names that you can just call one person after the other in between your meals because we have a new way of living and we don't get a, a vacation from this disease on Thanksgiving. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I don't have to try to figure out how to fit in with everyone else um, because it's a green light day to overeat. And, you know, he said there's thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what we have. And so, you know, I know that there's these hundreds of people that are on this meeting and listen to the recording and have put their name on that list that they want a way out. And some are recovered. Some are brand new, and I'm just so grateful that we can all reach out to each other and get through this one day that can be, you know, really difficult in the beginning. It's really, um, or you think it's going to be difficult. It turns out to just be another day. But that's such a shift in my thinking from how I used to view this time of year. And I'm very grateful. With that, I'll pass. And now... um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Deb W., Oklahoma. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until the end.